You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. Good to see all of you here. I'm glad to be here myself. I'm thankful for the for the fellowship you have in engulfed Miss Miss Ann and I in. We really do appreciate pastoring you, but also we appreciate your friendship and the loyalty that you show to this congregation. It's good to see all. And, and every week it seems like we grow. Uh, what's that all about? Amen. I had a flash one time right after we had met with the elders and agreed that we were coming here as your pastors. I uh, walked out of that room back there where we were having a meeting and I walked out here and I just had this instant flash. I just saw this place full wall to wall with people. Come on, you ought to get excited about that. Why not? Why not? And so... Uh, here we are, watching it happen. Today we're picking up where we left off last week with our study in the scriptures concerning what Jesus promised us would happen if we continue in the Word. John chapter 8 is our text. John chapter 8 verses 31 and 32. We're going to read it together. I'll give you a minute to find it. We'll try to put it on the big screen up here. For those of you who do not have a Bible. By the way, if you don't own a Bible, talk to Miss Ann. She'll give you one. We, we've got a house full of Bibles. I'm a Bible collector. But most of us, you, you, I know, use digital Bibles. And most, or a lot of people these days use digital Bibles. And that's really what I use almost exclusively now. But we want you to be acquainted with the scriptures. <clears throat> John chapter 8 and verse 31 said, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him. Remember, Jesus only preached to Jews. Jesus did not preach to Gentiles. You can't find it in the scriptures where he preached to Gentiles. This was not our covenant. This was only for the Jews at the time. He came to fulfill what he had promised Abram and Abraham to give to Abraham's natural descendants this wonderful thing called salvation through the grace of God. So he's talking to Jews, and he said, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Now, you understand also that, we, that we've said that discipleship is not the apex of Christianity. Manifest sonship is the, is the apex of Christianity. That the world sees you as the family of God. But discipleship is part of it. It is. It's where we learn how to follow, where we learn. We get in a learning mode as disciples. So while we're sons, we are in a learning mode as disciples as well. You follow this? Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. He didn't say if you, if you once heard my word. If you continue in the word. You, 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 you follow. The, the word disciple means a learner or a follower. That is, it's a continuation See, you get saved, you get born again in a one-time moment, but you walk it out as you follow God in faith. That's not following Him from above, that's following Him from within. 
He lives inside you. He gives you direction from within. And verse 32, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we said that there were, there were three primary aspects to this promise. One, He promises you discipleship. Number two, He promises you discernment. And number three, He promises you deliverance. Discipleship, discernment, and deliverance. And we talked at length last, last time about discipleship, what that means, to, what it means to be a disciple and how untrustworthy man-made writings are. That's why Jesus said, get in the Word and stay in the Word. Well, you may not be able to remember all that Jesus says to you, but what you, do, what you, can, do is, what you can do is get a Bible. Get a Bible. And what Jesus primarily says to you is found in the letters of the Apostle Paul. Remember, Jesus' message to you, to us Gentiles, came through a, a man named Paul. Saul of Tarsus was his original name, but... His, his, word to us came through, uh, uh, his word to us came through the Apostle Paul. It came indirectly. And, and it's, it's, it's very different from the word Jesus spoke directly to the Jews. Very different. Many things about it are different. I could go through a list of the scriptures and show you how different Jesus spoke to the Jews from what he told Paul to speak to us. Saying we take Paul's word as Jesus' word, as God's own word. All right? So everything we hear, and now when we read the New Testament, when we read the Gospels, we have to have our Paul filter up there. We have to have a, everything has to screen through the revelation that Jesus gave Paul. This is, Paul wasn't just making this up, right? He wasn't just making it up. The Lord, the Lord called him special for this special message, which we, we've, we've shown you over and over uh, in Galatians chapter 2 and other places where he talks about the gospel of the circumcision was given to Peter, but the gospel of the uncircumcision was given to him. And they say it that way in, in particular. Not the ministry to the circumcision was in Peter, or the ministry to the uncircumcision was in me. No, the gospel of the circumcision, and the gospel of the uncircumcision. Meaning, they're two different things. Yes. Now, they're centered around the same person, but if you'll, if you'll take close note throughout the book of Acts, you'll note that the message to the Jews is, believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Believe that He is your Messiah and repent for having been taking part in killing Him. Paul, on the other hand, does not say that to Gentiles. He does not tell them to believe that Jesus is Messiah or believe that He's the Son of God. Paul tells them, believe that He died for your sins, that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. It's a whole different message. It's all about Jesus but, and believing in Jesus, believing on His name, but what he did for you is what you, where you find the difference. What you're supposed to believe about him. Ah, this is good, isn't it? See, the Gentiles weren't sitting around the earth waiting for a Messiah. They didn't know anything about a Messiah coming. Gentiles weren't waiting on Messiah. In fact, any mention of a, of a coming Messiah, a new king, would get people killed. They weren't hoping for that. The Jews were. They had their faith out there believing God for a future Messiah coming. Many of them are still looking for Him to come. And He will come again. But our, our thing as Gentiles, we're just going around minding our own business, doing our pagan thing. And somebody said, you don't have to die. You don't have to be afraid of death. You don't have to fear the afterlife because somebody's already gone there in your place. Well, who would that be? That was Jesus of Nazareth. When he died and was buried and rose again the third day, he did that for you. And if you'll put your faith in him, if you'll believe on him, glory to God, your eternity is sealed. Because what he got, 
as a reward from the Father, God Almighty will reckon that to be your reward. Hallelujah. I know that seems so far-fetched. It always Religion just hates this message. Religion fights this message. Oh, they fight it. They just hate it. Oh, you make, make it too easy. I'm not making it easy. I'm reading the book. I, if it's up to me, I'd make it hard because I don't like everybody I see in church. I just don't. I wouldn't let them in church, much less let them in heaven. <laughs> if I was making it up, I'm not talking about anybody in this church. I'm talking about, I'm talking about when Miss Ann's family shows up. That's what I'm talking about. I mean. <laughs> There's a beating coming, she said. But I believe we can get to the understanding we want. If some of these things sound shady or, or o, 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 opaque to you, listen to me. You can get where you want to be in God. I, I've shared this with you before, but I want to share it again this morning because we have new faces in the place. I want you to know that you can go from Yukon to Miami, from Cleveland to Burbank, from Piedmont to Tupelo, and never leave Oklahoma. You been to any of these towns in Oklahoma? You can go from Buffalo to Pensacola, Chattanooga to Oakland, Cheyenne to Delaware, Fargo to Jamestown, and never leave Oklahoma. That's the coolest thing, if you ask me. You can go from St. Louis to Savannah, Peoria to Washington, Pittsburgh to Orlando, and on to Disney, and never leave Oklahoma. Now the point is, where you are is not really all that far from where you want to be. Amen. In God, where you are is not all that far from where you want to be. Let's say it together. Where I am is not all that far from where I want to be. You have to stop seeing yourself as a sinner, ragged old sinner, and a holy God at a long distance away from you. You have to see yourself with all your perfections already made, with all your imperfections already made perfect. Yeah. This is how the Bible teaches it. You, with all your perfections, that you, your imperfections that you see, you, you know your imperfections. You know how stinky your mind can be. If you spend 15 minutes on North Central Expressway in Dallas, you know how stinky, <laughs> like I do. More than 15 minutes. I spend an hour a day on it, or two hours a day, three hours a day sometimes. It's ridiculous. I find out how stinky. Y'all ought to pray for me when you think about it in the afternoon. Oh, Dr. Holler's out there, and there goes his stinky mind again. I try now because, because Miss Ann has sort of trained me not to let that stinkiness come out of my mouth. Did you see that idiot? You know, I've told you this before. I, I call them idiots. Brain surgeons and rocket scientists, all of them. They all got on the highway at one time. They can create a rocket to the moon, but they can't tie their shoes or drive. <laughs> and when that happens, you know, I call them idiots. Look at that idiot. And Miss Ann says, oh, Father, bless him. Don't let him. Don't. Oh, God. Get, angels of God, go be with him. Watch over him. Don't let him. Any, Oh, shut up. (laughs) 
Is anybody else in this house like I am? I mean, anybody else got somebody annoying like Miss Ann in the car with you? <laughs> but, but you have to see, you have to, we have to get focused on the righteousness that's inside. You have been made righteous. Here's how Paul does it. You read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and he opens it up calling them all saints. Saints. Chapter 3, he calls them carnal babies. <laughs> Paul, you need to make up your mind. Are they saints, holy, separated unto God, or are they carnal babies? Well, the answer is yes. They're perfect inside with all kinds of other imperfections. I hope I'm talking to the right crowd. How many of you know what I'm talking about? May not be the right message, but I think I got the right crowd. But where you really want to be is not all that far from where you are because you're already there in the dimension of the Spirit. And you have to begin to change the way you think. Repent of the way religion has taught you to think. That your actions dictate who you are. Your actions do not dictate who you are. Your actions do not dictate who you are. What you believe dictates who you are. What you really believe on the inside dictates who you are. That's why the whole religious world is bound in sin consciousness. Because they think actions dictate who they are. And they keep quoting the verse from James. Faith without works is dead. I said, if you want to kill your faith, you just keep that up. If you want your faith to be dead, you just keep that up. Read Romans chapter 4, which was written to the, to the Gentiles by the greatest apostle that ever lived. Had the greatest revelation of any of them. Remember, remember, I have some CF&Irs here. How many CF&I graduates do we have here? We've got two. Huh? And Whitney, back to Whitney. Well, Everett and Christy are too. They're not in here. Okay. We have a three-year school. We have a three-year school, and we give a bachelor's degree in three years. It's intense. Three-year school. You know why we have a three-year school? Because we feel like if it's good enough for Peter, James, and John to be in school with Jesus for three years. <laughs> and when Paul came to the Lord... He said, I did not go up to Jerusalem to confer with those who were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia for a period of three years. Ladies and gentlemen, if it's good enough for Peter, James, and John, and it's good enough for Paul, we feel like it's good enough to train ministers. Amen. Three years. Amen. Oh, this is good. So don't think you're going to understand everything overnight. If you just come to this church, you say, well, uh, I don't get it. Well, be patient. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a little while for you to get it, for you to really get it deeply and to be trained. But it is my job, Miss Ann's job, to make sure that you're trained. We're going to answer to God for whether or not we trained you right, trained you in the Scriptures. I don't care how many preachers hate me. <laughs> Line up. <laughs> I don't care if they dislike my, my, my doctrine. All I'm going to do is keep quoting this book. I know what this book says. I understand this book. I want you to understand it deeply and thoroughly. There are a few things you have to get straight, and one of those things you have to get straight is how do we read Jesus' words? We read them 
through the veil of the doctrine of the Apostle Paul. Hallelujah. I had one student tell me, one student, he's 19 years old, 20. He said, but Dr. Holler, I follow Jesus. I said, yeah, I know, sort of. No, I do. He said, I, I emphasize that what's written in red. I said, are you circumcised? What's that got to do with it? I said, everybody that followed him and when, he, when he did all that red talking was circumcised. Are you circumcised? Well, that's kind of personal. I said, I know it's kind of personal. <laughs> if you're going to tell me you follow Jesus, I've got to know. It's just part of the deal. I'm not going to make you show me. <laughs> I will give you that break. Can you imagine how they used to inspect guys <laughs> before you could go to church? You had to show. Especially if you were a Gentile convert. That somebody had to get a look at you. Dang, it's a little personal. It feels a little perverted to me. I don't know about you. That's legal religion. Do you want that really? Is that what you really want? He said, but I follow Jesus in other ways. I said, raise your right hand and swear to that. I said, you still have a right hand, and are you telling me when you were a teenager that right hand never offended you? Not once. He looked at it. I said, did you just look at that with your right eye? <laughs> you still have them both, I noticed. Jesus said, if it, if it offends you, your right hand or your right eye, pluck them out and cut it off. Yeah. I noticed you're not following Jesus that way. <laughs> I just happened to notice. You have a right hand, you have a right eye, and you're telling me you follow Jesus. He said, well, I don't know what to say. I said, then sit down and shut up. Let me talk. Because <laughs> I do know what to say. I don't talk that way to church folks. I talk that way to guys I'm trying to train for the mission field who are going to get a lot tougher talk than that. You understand me? going to get a lot tougher talk than that. going to be challenged a lot harder than that. Jesus said, if you continue... It's a big if. This promise is based on a, on a fulcrum of if. If you continue. If. I love that word if. It's a big word in the English language. It may be the biggest word in the English language. If. Because 180 degrees in behavior and in content rely on that word if, that way or that way, left or right, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples. So we know what Jesus is talking about, what the conditions are. Stay in the word. And by the word, I do believe he meant his words. I do believe he meant all that's written in red. Follow me. I do believe he meant that. I just don't want you to read it. And not understand Paul's doctrine. Because they are different sometimes. Some of the things Jesus said were only for the Jews. But what part do we know was for us? Could you put up 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20? 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. 2 Corinthians 1 and verse 20 is quite potent. It helps us understand the scriptures. For all the promises of God in Him. How many of you are in, in Him? Come on, let me see your hand. You're in Him. All the promises of God in Him, in Christ Jesus, are yes 
and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Listen, what, what this scripture is saying is, every promise Jesus ever made, let me say it this way, every promise of God, God made promises in Leviticus. God made promises in Deuteronomy. God made promises in Exodus. This is why you need to read the whole Bible and try to do your best to understand the whole Bible and find that if there's a promise there, with or without conditions, it's your promise, glory to God. If there's a promise there with or without conditions, it is your promise. You can use your faith to receive that for yourself, glory to God. Like it says, like in Deuteronomy 8, 18, it says, it is the Lord who gives you power to get wealth. The word power there is not dunamis, it's creative, which inventions. He's going to give you some way to get you, to make to make wealth for yourself. This is a promise to the Jews. If it's a promise to them, it's a promise to you. Yes. According to this. And this is the Apostle Paul's doctrine. Search the scriptures for promises. Amen. Here we have a great promise that if you'll continue, you can be a disciple. And if you, see, you can't keep praying and be a disciple. Oh Lord, make me a disciple. Oh Lord, make me a disciple. That's the Lord's prayer to you. Oh, John, make yourself a disciple. Yeah. <laughs> I'm begging him to do what he's begging me to do. Yeah. Make yourself a disciple. Be a disciple. If you continue to work, praying about being a disciple will never make you a disciple. Right. Continuing in the Word makes you a disciple. Yes. Continuing in the Word makes you a disciple. And here it says, that, 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 that verse of Scripture we just read says, In this is how God gets glory. When you receive, when you identify and pursue and receive the promises of God in your life, that is when blessings begin to flow in your life. This is how God gets glory. Hallelujah. This is how God gets glory. That, he, that the blessings that He promised, somebody on earth believes Him and receives those, and then the glory of God breaks out. You, you, you notice that in the, 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 the life and ministry of Philip, when he went up to Samaria, they said down to Samaria because he was down in elevation, went to Samaria and preached. It says, in great signs and wonders, the Lord worked at his hands. You remember the story? Philip the evangelist. He, great signs and wonders God did on all over the city. And you know what it said about the whole city? It said the whole city glorified God. They didn't glorify God because somebody was dying. They didn't glorify God because Philip was being persecuted. They glorified God because the promises of God were being manifested right in their midst. Wow, this is strong. God gets glory when your prayers get answered. You want to see another one? How about John chapter 15? John chapter 15, we'll begin reading with verse 7. John 15, 7. Behold, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, here's Jesus again, you will ask what God makes you want ask for. No. <laughs> you will ask what is absolutely and only necessary. No. Didn't say that either. That's what the preachers say. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done unto you. Look at verse 8. By this. By what? You getting what you want from God. Yes. By this is my Father glorified. 
that you bear much. You're bearing fruit isn't always winning souls. Your bearing fruit is getting your prayers answered. It's never going to happen as long as you don't know that God loves you. As long as you don't know you're part of the family. You never get your prayers answered. Oh, you might get one here and there. But the people that get prayers answered are those that know they're loved of God. When you know that He loves you unconditionally, you know that you can ask Him anything, that releases your faith. Like it says in Galatians 6, 5, faith works by love. Circumcision amounts to nothing, but faith which works by love. By us loving? No. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He first loved us, 1 John says. So our faith works by knowing and experiencing God's love for us. Jesus makes this promise. Discipleship and discernment. Let's talk about this. Back to John chapter 8. I hope that rabbit trail wasn't confusing for you. Is it a good rabbit trail? I hope it didn't turn into a jackalope. Discernment. See, the, most of us don't even realize what we lost. We don't know the truth about what went wrong with mankind. What went wrong with mankind. I want you to shout it out. I want you to shout it out. If you already know the answer, don't shout it out. But I want you to shout out the answer you've been taught. What was the first sin? Shout it out. Eating the apple. Well, we know it wasn't an apple, but it was a piece of fruit, some kind. It could have been an apple. I mean, I don't really like apples, so I don't think it would have been that. A peach, maybe, yeah. A peach would entice almost anybody, I think. Huh? Frank thinks of mango. Amen. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it was a mango. That's what it tells us is the first sin. Actually, maybe so. At least it was the first sin of Adam. But it's not really the first sin. The first sin was when, when the serpent began to talk to the woman and said, has God said? Yes, God said. God said, no, don't, don't, don't touch it. Don't, don't eat it. Don't do anything. Just stay away from the tree. And the scripture says that the serpent being subtle said, you will not die. You will not surely die. And we find out in the book of Revelation that that serpent was Satan. We know it was Satan. He was in the garden. He said, you will not die. The father of lies, he's a master at lying. He lies to you too. You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of that tree, you'll be like the gods. You'll be like God himself. And the Bible says that Eve looked again at the tree and saw it differently. It says she saw it was good for food. Before that, when she looked at that tree, it looked like poison to her. So the, did the tree change or did she change? What she believed about that tree changed. Now she's not believing God's opinion of the tree. She's believing the devil's opinion of the tree. That's the first sin. And really what got them out of the, out of the will of God was the sin of unbelief. The sin of unbelief. 
the whole world doesn't even know this. And that's why they won't preach faith to get you back in. Because they think you've got to spit out the fruit. You've got to repent. You've got to do right. You've got to be a good little soldier. You see what I'm saying? You've got to somehow reverse what you did in the garden. Start straightening up and fly right. Rather than make it about what really went wrong was faith. Unbelief. Let's get the faith thing right and then you'll stop eating of that tree. Let's get the faith thing right and then your actions will line up. You see how religion has gone wrong? Religion wants to make everything about how you perform. And all religions are the same. They're all the same. Even some so-called Christian religions are the same. They're all the same. Until we drop all of our all of our weird ways of separating us, ourselves from the body of Christ. Really, it's a shame when Christianity looks so much like Islam. If you perform well, you get to go to heaven when you die. If you perform well, you get to go to heaven when you die. That's, that's the pagan religion of the world. Every false religion believes that. Every one of them believes Well, the Hindu doesn't exactly. They believe you come back in a kind of earthly heaven in a better life. If you perform well as a cockroach, you get to come back as a mouse. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> Consequently, what man really lost was the ability to talk to God. He has no more discernment he has no more discernment. He doesn't know the, the truth from anything. Even though he ate of a tree that was called the knowledge of good and evil. There's a story of a scientist who developed some upside down glasses. He developed these glasses that when he put them on, the world was upside down to him. And he had to really be careful or he couldn't get around. But he, he forced himself to see how the brain works with sight because he knew that on the back of the eyeball, you know, was, was, was light that crossed over and the image on the back of the eyeball is upside down. But somehow the brain turned it over and makes the world look right side up. So he said, I wonder if the brain can be trick. So he was a neuroscience, you know, neuroscientist. Put these upside down glasses on and tested himself. And it took two weeks, but in about two weeks, he got up on it, left them on all the time, night and day. Two weeks went by, and he got out of bed one day, and the world was, up, was, was right side up. Still had the glasses on, they were turning everything upside down, but his brain had flipped it over. He's walking around with these upside down glasses on. Then the thought comes to him, what if I take them off and I stay that way? <laughs> What's going to happen? It took two weeks for, it to, for his brain to flip it over and start seeing it that way. Let me say to you, <clears throat> I believe the body of Christ can get back to the truth more quickly than what it took us to go away from the truth. Yeah. Yes. Remember the, the, the body of Christ was a thousand years in false doctrine, the false doctrine of religion, what we call the dark ages. A thousand years, the body of Christ had no Bible, virtually. 
I mean, we were just in darkness. Under an oppressive religious regime created by emperors of Rome. The church just went down. And I think since, since 1517, when Martin Luther wrote the 95-point thesis, the church has gradually been coming back from the Reformation to now, 500 years ago. 500, well, it'll be 500 years in three years. But this guy took those glasses off, and the world was upside down, and he had no glasses on. He, oh, what? Two days later, his brain flipped it back over. It didn't take that long. It took two weeks to get him to believe the, un to believe the wrong thing. Are you hearing me? But when the truth was revealed, it just took two days for him to get a hold of it. I'm believing for a revival, a mass revival in the body of Christ, for them to hear this truth in their heart. How many of you, not many years ago, believed things opposite than what you hear and hear now? But when you heard it, your heart said, yes, yes. Your heart says yes to the grace of God. Your heart says yes to faith. Your heart says yes. You know it's true. You've read it in the scriptures, but you rarely heard it preached or taught. Because again, I can't keep you enslaved to me if I turn you loose to the grace of God. All right, that's better preaching than you're shouting, but... Just like eternal life. I had a lady say, you, 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 you preach grace in a way that's un uncomfortable for me. I said, it shouldn't be uncomfortable for you. Why is grace uncomfortable for you? What is the way you do it? I said, all right, what's wrong with the way I do it? She'd come from a Pentecostal religious background, like I had. Because I knew, I knew exactly what she was thinking. I said, uh, sweetheart, tell me, what, what's, what's the problem? She wanted this conversation. I said I, I said, I don't think you want this conversation because I'm about to wreck your world. I don't think you want this conversation with me. She said, no, I, I want to have it out. I, want to, I said, okay, you want to have it out. I'm just warning you, you're bringing a water pistol to a fight you can't possibly win. I said, then tell me what you believe. She said, well, I believe you've got to do right to go to heaven. I said, okay. Well, let me ask you that. Do you believe you have eternal life? She said, I have it right now. I said, oh, right now you have eternal life. Yes, I do, because I live for God. I said, okay, okay, slow down. You have eternal life right now because you live for God. I'm helping you today. I'm not, I'm not putting this, this sweetheart down. She's a good woman. Hopefully you'll never know her. <laughs> good woman. I said, I said, so, so you, you believe that you have eternal life? She said, right now. I said, eternal life you have right now. Right now. And it's eternal. Yeah. But I can, I can lose it. Okay. Well, let me ask you. Do you believe that this eternal life happened to you, or was it a package that came in the mail? She said, it happened to me. I said, so you don't just have eternal life. You are eternally alive. Yeah? I said, okay. You are eternally alive, and you think you're going to wind up in hell. Started crying. 
says, I see where you're going. I said, I ain't going nowhere. I'm asking you what you believe. I'm just asking you to face the questions you're going, you need to ask yourself. What do you believe? You said you are eternally alive. Well, I may be eternally alive in hell. I just smiled at her. I said, so John 3, 16 can be read like this. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall have everlasting life in heaven or hell. <laughs> no, that's not what it means. I said, that's what you just said. <laughs> Believing on Jesus means you might wind up in hell anyway. Well, that's not what I said. I said, then what do you believe? I'm not going to tell you what I believe. I'm going to ask you to tell me what you believe. You just said you believe you are eternally alive, and you know that means in the presence of God. You know that means in heaven. You know that hell is never defined as life. You know that hell is always defined as death. Yeah. What? She just started crying, just cried and cried. Well, if I'd have, if I'd have believed that, I said, I told you you didn't want this fight. <laughs> it's that question that jerked my chain a long, long time ago. I had to face this. You're going to have to face this. You just have to face it. What is the truth? I don't even have to tell you what I believe. I'm just going to ask you what you believe. See, the Jehovah's Witness knew this was a bad thing. So they say you don't get eternal life until after you rise from the dead. It's a cult's religion. It's a cult doctrine. We don't dare believe that. We believe we have it now. And we believe it's eternal now. And we believe in the new birth, so it happened to us, and that makes us eternally alive. I'm just saying what everybody says they believe, but won't let themselves believe it. Because they've been poisoned against the grace of God. That is the power to save you forever. That is the power to make you live holy. You're not going to heaven because you have a license to sin. The grace of God keeps you from it. The grace of God makes you live holy. The grace of God teaches us that the denying ungodliness and worldly lust. We walk before Him holy because now, not because I'm afraid of an employer who might fire me, but now because I do not want to disappoint my Father who loves me yes. completely. Whole different motivation. Amen. That's the only thing that ever keep you consistent. You'll never be a consistent Christian because you're afraid of going to hell. That'll just make you a terrorized Christian. That's all it does. A legalistic, terrorized, misunderstanding Christian. What makes you live right for God is an intense love for Him. And when you know what He's done for you, you wouldn't even think of doing something wrong. Oh, I know the devil comes and puts stupid things in your mind. But your heart is His completely when you know Him. When He's in your life, your heart is His completely. How many of you think that this grace message here today has stirred up a desire for you to run out and start sinning? It hasn't, has it? It hasn't. It doesn't do that. It makes you think, oh, Jesus, I never want to do anything against you again. I'm in this forever. You're in this forever. I'm in this forever. I'm in this forever. I'm going to live right. Glory to God. It just, it just does something to you. I'd love to tell a story one day about a fellow that I know. This guy right here had been doing wrong and was hiding it. Kept coming to my Wednesday night Bible study where I teach these things all the time. Teach these eternal security, 
grace of God messages. You know what he did? He went down and confessed. And they put him in jail. <laughs> he went down and confessed his wrong. He didn't have to, but he did. And it wasn't legalism that drove him to clean it up. It was the grace of God that drove him to clean it up. Amen. Well said. Well said. Amen. The grace of God drove him to clean it up. And he's sitting here today, a free man. Glory to God. Amen. I'll give you, I'll give you a second. Okay. I just want to add one thing to that. Add one thing. Uh, Make it Mike, quick. I do work alone. I know. Does it, that mic's picking me up. Yeah. You know, uh, in recovery, honesty is a cornerstone. Just like Jesus Christ is a cornerstone to the church today. And it just, my, I was trying to be honest, and I was telling this one this and this other one that, but but I wasn't being the right kind of honest because it didn't <laughs> feel right. It's really just one kind of honest, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was multiple honesties, see? So that kind of made me one of those schemers. But when, I, <laughs> but when I walked in there and sat down in front of Samantha, and I said, well, okay, what I say now could end me up in prison or whatever, but I'm going to be honest. I'm going to quit being afraid, and I'm, a, you know, I'm just going to quit lying because I've been believing that I, I'm walking in God's righteousness, and and it just, uh, and I and I am righteous in Christ. Amen. And and why would a righteous man have to go in there and hide from anybody? Amen. So, so I said I told the truth, and when they put me in jail, um, I accepted it, and I, I thank God for each day I was in there, and I continued in my teachings, and I continued to read my word. And I come out stronger than I went in. Amen. And I'm so glad to be back. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Come on. After church, y'all ought to find this guy and hug him. And, amen. The only, the only difference between him and you is you hadn't been caught yet. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. See what I'm talk, talking about? Grace doesn't make you want to sin. Grace frees you from sin. Glory to God. But most people have just largely given up on discerning the truth. Largely just given up on discerning the truth. Discerning the truth. They, don't, they just give up on it. They don't even try anymore. Well, that's, that's your interpretation, holler. No, I'm going to ask you what you believe. Not my interpretation of anything. It's what you do to write me off because you can't handle the truth. You want to fight till you meet somebody that knows the Bible. Really knows it. Really understands how it's, how it's put together. I want everybody in this church to have that. I want you all to be armed like that because it's something good. Listen, and I hear people say, well, you shouldn't argue about the Bible. I said, step aside then. I'm an arguer. Paul was an arguer. Peter was an arguer. They knew how Jesus was an arguer. Yes. Learn how to argue your point. Learn how to fight if you've got to fight with the words of the gospel. It is a fight. Paul said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I mean, that just means he would stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. When they, when they rejected him, he'd stand there and just keep preaching until they got ready to kill him. Until they got ready to stone him or beat him up or something. Yeah. I think when they were stoning him, as he's being stoned, those rocks are piling on him. I think he's still preaching the gospel. Yeah. Missed me. Oh, that one got me. <laughs> I mean, I can just see it. But folks have largely given up. And they just say, 
They'll say one of two things. Well, that's your interpretation. Or they'll say, by doing that, they just think, well, then everybody must be right. All roads lead to God. It is kind of a lie, but I like to put it like this. I agree with you. All roads lead to God. All roads lead to God. Everybody's going to get to go to heaven and stand before the great white throne judgment. The problem is not getting to heaven. The problem is staying. Because at the white throne judgment, the book of Revelation teaches us that angels come and take away all those on God's left and throw them into the lake of fire from there. Now think about how awful hell is going to be when you were in heaven and went to hell. Not, not going there from earth, going there from heaven. That's what the Bible teaches. There's an awesome, awful day coming for those who reject the gospel. And I think there's going to be lots of religious legalists in that crowd of goats that think they've trusted in Jesus, but all they've done is trusted in their own works to get them there to heaven. That day you'll know. You may not understand just how redeemed you are. You may not understand what it means to be free from your sins. You may not understand the full ramifications of it. But on that day, when we're all standing there, you'll know what it means. The assessment of a soul and its value will come stark, raving clear on that day. That's why you should tell your friends. That's why you should witness to them. That's why you should drag them kicking and screaming to church. You're going to hear this message. I'm not going to let you die and go to hell without me working at it, without me trying. If all it costs me is a little bit of embarrassment, your soul happens to be worth that at least. Amen. Can I have a better amen? Come on. I like to put it like this. Here's where discernment comes in. We're standing there before the great white throne judgment. And I don't believe that believers will actually ever be judged at that throne. We're going to be judged not on the basis of whether or not we get in, but we're going to be judged on the basis of our stance in front of Jesus, who's at the Father's right hand. And you'll be judged on the basis of the Bema seat judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. Are you hearing me? You escape the white throne judgment, really, because of Jesus. It's like you settled your case out of court. You didn't, you didn't plead guilt. You didn't plead innocence. You didn't plead no low contender. You just pled the blood. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just pled the blood. I believe Christ died for me. That puts you on this side. But discernment teaches us that when God talks to us, He talks to us from His perspective. He talks to us from our theology and not from our doctrine so much. He talks about what He expects and what He thinks. And there it says He separates His sheep from the goats. The goats He put on the left, the sheep He put on the right. Why is He going to put the sheep on the right? That's where Jesus is seated at His right hand. I know all this is analogous language, but just follow me. He puts the sheep on the right. The goat's on the left. Judgment's over for you until Jesus takes in and starts talking to you about what you've done since you've been saved. 
that might not be a pretty day. It's not about whether you're in the family or whether you're going to heaven. That's about what you get for eternity as a result of your salvation. There will be weeping. Or he wouldn't have to dry tears, now would he? There'll be no tears in heaven. Now, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches there's lots of tears in heaven. There's lots of tears in heaven. But he will wipe them away. Okay, stop bawling now, I know. You made it. <laughs> yeah, but I could have done so much more. I know you could have done so much more, but it's over. You're here. It's going to be something like that. But how do you get on that side? Well, you have to think like God. You have to use your discernment, which Jesus promised you would have. And here's how it looks. We're standing there in one crowd together. All the nations, the Father, Almighty God says, I want all the sheep to step to the right. And of course, those who have no discernment of how God works, they step to their right. Well, I'm just calling it like it is. I don't believe it unless I see it. I ain't calling myself healed just because he said so. I know when I'm sick. Faith that that works is dead. You need to read chapter 4 of Romans. It says faith without works is righteousness. Those of us who learn how God talks, He says, I want all the sheep to the right. We're stepping to our left. His right. Discernment is really important at that moment. It's important that you know the truth. Real important that you understand what he's talking about when he says it. This is why he makes us talk opposite the way we feel. This is why he didn't ask us to, to pray about getting love in your hearts. I hear my students pray, you know, before I'm able to teach them some of these things. They say, oh God, break my heart. I say, oh God, don't. <laughs> I don't want to break your heart. You're talking to the devil when you ask that. God doesn't break anything. He's, he, Jesus wasn't anointed to break hearts. Jesus was anointed to bind up the brokenhearted. You're asking him to do something he's not equipped for. <laughs> you're, you're the religious people say, I don't know why the Lord gave me this cancer, but I'm, you know, I'm just looking for his will. Well, look for his will in the Bible, would you? His will in the Bible is that you're healed. God don't give cancer. He'd have to have cancer before he could give it. You can't give something you don't have. God doesn't give sicknesses. I mean, he doesn't have packages of sickness laying around heaven. Are you kidding? Here, run this to them real quick. Got a special delivery for holler. No. God's not the author of that kind of... That'd be, just be confusion. How would you ever know what, what was from God and what wasn't? Really? Religion just makes all that stuff up. So you can't possibly know the will of God. Well, I know the will of God. I got a Bible. I got my hands on one and started reading it. And let me say it to you saints. It is part of your covenant to live in health and to rise above these attacks of the devil. I know virtually every one of you in this building at some point or another has been attacked. I've been attacked by the devil physically. And I refuse, I refuse to ever lay down and say this is God. One time I, Christ for the nations, place full of Holy Ghost filled 
firebrands for Jesus, all headed to the mission field or some, some, some dangerous place for God. The flu bug came and went through our school. When I was a student there, the flu bug came and went through our school. We had hundreds of students not showing up in class. Chapel looked like somebody had pitched a hand grenade in there, empty seats everywhere. What is going on? They started, you know, we prayed about it as a group. But I got it anyway. Hang on. I left class one day and I was hurting. You know how your toe joints hurt when you got the flu? Scalp. You don't want anybody touching your head. If you rub your fingers through your head, oh, it hurts. Everything hurt. Everything hurt. Achy. That old hot breath feeling. Ugh. Just hated it. Oh, shivering. And I was walking back to my apartment. It was about a two or three hundred yard stretch there from the, from the big, big building we call the IB, back out to our apartment. And I was walking across there just saying, oh God, let me just get home and get in the bed. Oh, oh, I was believing God for this not to happen to me. And I went, I said, honey, I'm so sick. I'm so sorry, I just feel terrible. I said, I'm going to my bedroom. I'm gonna have to lay off work. Went in there and I got in the bed. And I sat down on the edge of the bed and I lay down on the pillow and pulled the cover up and I heard this voice say to me, so you're just going to lay down with that devil. <laughs> this is the devil. No! And I just threw the cover off. I was about 23, 24 years old. I was really hot-blooded then. <laughs> I threw the cover off of me, put my feet out on the floor, stood up, I, I'm not going down in Jesus' name. And the Every symptom left me instantly. Instantly. Yeah. Yeah. You know what the devil was telling me though? Well, what makes you more spiritual, more powerful than anybody else here? Look at all these hundreds that have already got it. What makes you think you're different? That ever happened to you? Yes. Has that ever happened to you? Well, it's going around. That stuff just goes around. And, and every time it goes around, I get it. Well, listen, you've got to have some discernment. You've got to know the truth. It doesn't matter that the best Christian you know can't succeed. All that matters is that these promises are still yours. All that matters is these promises are still yours. Amen. Maybe you've been at it a long time. Maybe you've been working at it a long time. Keep working. You're going to get those glasses off. The third thing is deliverance. We're going to talk about that next week. Discipleship, discernment, and deliverance. Miss Andrews reminded me I'm going to be in El Salvador next week, preaching at a graduation service there. So in two weeks, I'll come back and finish this message. Will you all come back? Yeah. All right, all right. Father, we thank you for the spirit of discernment upon your people the spirit of truth and wisdom upon your people. I thank you in Jesus' name for the power of the gospel that changes us from the inside out. Thank you, Lord, for freedom that comes, freedom to live right, freedom to do right. Freedom comes from being right. Thank you, Father, for these precious ones who've come here today to hear this message. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will make it real for everyone here. Make it real, Holy Spirit of the living God. Make it real. Miss Anna, I want you to come on up here right now. I believe there are people here in this room today who need to make decisions. You need to make a decision. And I'm just going to push this, this aside. 
You need to make a decision. And I'm making a stand here. I'm driving down a tent stake here. And I think it would be appropriate for you to come forward and say, today I'm making a stand. Today I'm taking a stand to hear the truth and to resist the devil. Every time I get one of those thoughts in my head that's contrary to the word of God, I'm taking a stand today and I'm driving down a tent stake saying, I'm not going back to that. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. Would you stand up on your feet with me? Some of you are here today who need to make a decision for Jesus to say, hey, I want in this family. I'm not, I want to be on the right side of that great white throne. I want to know Christ is my Savior. Amen. Some of you just need to get filled with the Holy Ghost and the, with the baptism of the Spirit and speak with other tongues. Others of you just saying, I, I, I've, been, I've been loose with my confession. I've said the wrong things. I'll just talk about what is instead of what I want. Amen. I don't know what kind of decision you need to make, but I know in my heart that you've got a decision to make today. You say, I'm going to make a decision. Make myself accountable to my pastor. I'm going to make myself accountable to God and to this church by joining my faith with the Word of God for change, for change. I want you to come on down here. If that's you, just come on down here right now. I believe there are many people here who need to make this decision. Come on, come on right now. Come on right now. Come on right now. You say, I'm, I'm making a change. Just make a line right across here. I want to lay my hands on you and believe God for you. Amen. Amen. Miss Ann, uh, I'm going to pray, pray for the guys. You pray for the gals. Amen. You, it's not too late. You come on down. We'll, we'll wait for you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Everybody that's not, if you've not come forward, be praying, okay? Be praying. You'd, you'd want people praying for you. All right.